Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Well, it's been a little while, but the MMA Outsiders is back. After a little week's worth of a break, we are back. We're even in our normal slot after a little shakeup during the summer schedule. But we're here. It's Tuesday, September 5th, 9 a.m. The MMA, 9 a.m. Eastern, I should say. The MMA Outsiders is back in your life with episode number 52. I am Tom Albano. That is Zan Vando to my right. Zan, we've got a lot to cover this week. Obviously, we have a big UFC pay-per-view coming up. Well, I, I should put air quotes around big because it's a bigger UFC card considering it's a pay-per-view, but it's, I think, the least hyped I am for a UFC pay-per-view. And they're in Australia, and they have Israel Adesanya, and I still just can't get the hype. Obviously, there's also been a lot of cards that we need to dis- discuss some of the big things that have come out of it. We'll talk about all that and more, plus... Maybe a little certain stuff involving some of those streaming platforms that you like to watch combat sports on, like UFC Fight Pass and uh, and ESPN. But before we do anything, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network. Make sure to follow us across social media, Facebook, Instagram, and X at MMA Outsiders ETB. Follow the Empty the Bench Podcast Network across social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok, at ETV Network. To my right is Zan Bando, as always. I love a co-host. You can find his work over at BJPen.com, Bellator Rankings Committee member, and you can find his work over on social media at ZanBando99. I am Tom Bando. You can find my work over at Fansided MMA and with the PFL for all different cards. So uh, at least for the 2023 season, obviously we just had the, P- the PFL playoffs wrap up, which we'll talk about towards the end of the show. Uh, We got PFL Europe playoffs coming up at the end of the month. PFL championships coming up in Washington, D.C. on Black Friday. I'll be covering all that more. So find my work over there on the PFL website. And you can follow me on social media at Thomas J. Aldano. All right, Zan. A lot we got to get into today. Usually our format has been that when we have a pay-per-view that is coming up, we've been starting to lead with that. However, with a little shorter and yet, little more compact a little more impactful i should say of a news segment we've decided we're going to start with the news first this week and we're going to begin with the latest update to this whole connor versus chandler debacle yeah and just to clarify for those who have been watching the show for a bit now um as tom alluded to we usually lead with the pay-per-view cards and the previews We promise you, for those who are used to that format, we will do that for the remainder of the year. It is simply just because um, this pay-per-view in Australia is a little bit on the thinner end. We decided that news would be more appropriate. So just so you guys know, 294, 295, 296 and beyond, we'll be be sure to lead with the pay-per-views and the previews. But uh, for now, we're going to jump right to this. So, of course... For those of you who have been paying attention on social media, Conor McGregor leaked a screenshot about a week or so ago, and it revealed that there were 111 days until 
UFC 296, which is being dubbed as Chandler versus McGregor. And uh, it's coming from UFC Fight Pass, and a lot of outlets took that and ran with it. Uh, Dana White was asked about it on the uh, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series uh, post-fight presser and said that it was AI that we eked it out and saying that it was simply not true uh, for UFC 296, that it won't be taking place then, which, Tom, you and I spoke off the air. We, we don't buy it for a second. We think that this is just the UFC's play of, for some reason, not announcing it. For, for whatever reason, we don't know my speculation is it's still a USADA issue. But yeah, so I mean, what, what do you what do you make of this? I've never seen a week like this before in all of my years of watching the UFC, let alone UFC Fight Pass being the center of a of a big story like this. Usually you look at UFC Fight Pass as the home to, you know, regional MMA for 90% of the world. It's where they watch Dana White Contender Series in the early prelims. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So, what do you make of this uh, week for Conor versus Chandler? Do you still think the fight happens when it's supposed to? And do you think that this is the UFC's way of unofficially announcing it without saying that the fight is officially done? I mean, the last time, Sam, that I remember a sort of leak for a big card, I think back to uh, the start of the year. If you remember in January when the T-Mobile Arena accidentally put that big screen on during uh, one of the UFC cards that announced John Jones versus Cyril Gunn at UFC. Uh, I think it was 285 was the number for the yep. early March that's, card that's, that those two correct. headlined. Yep. Okay, so it was 285. Uh, and that was when we also found out later that day that Francis Ngannou had been stripped of the heavyweight championship, and you and I had to do, basically do a whole episode live on a Saturday to discuss all that breaking news and what came out of it. That that was absolutely nuts. Yeah, that's without a doubt the craziest breaking news live stream we've ever done, and one of the most viewed uh, breaking live streams we've ever done, because we tried to multitask. We were doing this. Uh, we had just finished watching whatever UFC about Mazzana. I think it was the first, one of the first UFC events of the year in the midst of the whole Dana White controversy, yeah. as well as watching the NFL playoffs. So that was a wild Saturday night uh, on, on both ends uh, for us. And with, without a doubt, a week that we'll never, uh, we'll never forget. And as Dana White put it, a uh, team uh, but- isn't supposed to be there. We obviously know how the fight ended. John Jones won by uh, won by submission, of course. But without a doubt, that's one of the craziest weeks in recent UFC history. But but Zan, I just I have a message that I want to send to Dana White, and that's simply that this is not how AI works. AI does not just leak stuff. AI does not do your web design. What probably happened is somebody on the UFC Fight Pass or UFC website and was putting something in there as probably like a placeholder. And then it just so happened that instead of it being saved in a draft or anything like that, it went out into the public. Now, whether that was on purpose or not by the UFC, I'm not 100% too sure. But you know what? It's amazing how one little, small little leak on UFC Fight Pass has given us basically more answers than any of Tuff did 
uh, Eddie of Tuff did, over, and that took place over the course of a whole summer. So my opinion is, whether the UFC did this on purpose or not, this is telling me just Dana White's excuse, laughable excuse of, oh, AI did it. Chat GPT did it. Uh, whatever the other system, Bing did it. Bard did it. It tells me that that, that this fight is going to happen for December, despite my, my, his words. My, and if my, it's not, then I don't know. Then it was a really stupid look. My 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 uh, my theory is that it was uh, that it was the UFC fall interns fall. That's my that's my theory. I think uh, I think uh, I think intern was probably, <laughs> I, I think intern was probably messing around with the back end and is like, what if we what if we do what if we what if we do this? <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe there's like a maybe there's still a mole inside the company that. Uh, that, that that told whoever did that a little inkling that the fight will actually be taking place. And so why don't why why don't you just break the entire internet right now? But yeah, um, nonetheless, definitely a crazy story. As you said, it got us way more answers than we were anticipating. Um, and I guess what 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 that leads to is just uh, it's it's September fifth. Um, and we still don't have an official confirmation that the fight is going to occur. Uh, the only thing we do know is that this December card is going to take place in Las Vegas. There's been rumblings going around that Jan Bohovitz, um could be competing on this card. Yuri Prohaska could be fighting Alex Pereira on this card. Um, Tom, when do you think the UFC is going to make a decision regarding UFC 296? And although it isn't directly related, but it's somewhat is, when do you think they'll make an announcement on the UFC 295 coming event? I, I truthfully don't know, to be really honest. I just, I was, I expected that by the end of Tough, we would get some sort of announcement. And here we are, September 5th, and we still have no sort of announcement as to what is going on for the potential Connor versus Chandler fight. I did make mention that if Connor versus Chandler didn't happen, that maybe Yuri versus Alex was going to have to happen as a vacant title fight as the main event. I mean, they did have a light heavyweight, an infamous light heavyweight championship main event for last year's December card. Um, nevertheless, I mean, Sean O'Malley has also been thrown in there. I remember after Sean O'Malley's title win, they did say oh, well, maybe Sean O'Malley's first title defense could come in that December card uh, against maybe Chito Vera or, you know, to serve as a main event of sorts, which, I mean, could work as well. Uh, But, I mean, it goes back to what I said last episode. If you're not going to have Connor versus Chandler, you've got the Sean O'Malley fight in his first title defense. You got Yuri and Alex. And then there was one other. Oh, um, Cole, uh, Leon and Colby as a as potential, you know, title fights that could be main events or co-main events. And I said, oh, you know, have two of them for December, one of them for January. But I mean, we have no idea what is even going to happen with this UFC 295 co-main event, as you kind of alluded to. I know the rumor was Kamara Usman versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. But, I mean, 
it seems like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and the UFC's relationship is going a little south right now. So, I mean, I guess UFC 295, Madison Square Garden, obviously have the Jones Stipe heavyweight title fight, which in itself might be worth the price. But it's like you would expect, and especially with the prices they're having for live seating for that kind of card, you would expect maybe a little more for that. Yeah, for sure. I guess my last point on this UFC week um, is that I think it just built the, um, the anticipation for potential Connor versus Chandler fight to be even bigger than what it already was, and hopefully we get an announcement here soon. And as you as you said, people need to start you know making their winter break plans and so on and so forth in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'll say this: if we don't have an announcement by October first, which is a Sunday. Um, uh, I, I will be very, very surprised. So hopefully the UFC can get something done there on that front. And um, hopefully at, at, on some level, this fight can be salvaged either in December or Super Bowl weekend in February for UFC 298. So um, yeah, that's my, that's my last point on that. Okay. Moving on from that, I want to talk about now, Zan here. Like this is the one now I really want to talk about. Because this okay. is one that you brought to my attention. So the UFC, and this is one that goes past sports. The UFC is coming together with the NFL and the NBA. So it's Dana White, Roger Goodell, Adam Silver. They're all coming together to rewrite DMCA laws. And what they basically want to do is go after the illegal streamers. Dana White's favorite en- enemy in the whole wide world. All the illegal streams of all the... Uh, pay-per-view events and all the games in the case of the NFL and the NBA and basically shut down those websites entirely. I don't know necessarily how they're going to do this because I I don't know. To me, Zan, if you want to do something illegal, guess what? You're going to do it. If you're going to do an illegal action, it's like, can that, can that you know, sign that says, no, this actually stop me now granted if you get caught you get in trouble but it's like it's like that dw meme from our you know that sign can't stop me because i can't read it's it's true that's a good point that actually used to be one of my favorite cartoons too now that i think of it but um (laughs) anyway what's funny about this whole thing is most of the i'm just gonna be i'm just gonna say full disclosure most of the most of the counterfeit or or below the belt, if you want to call it that, streams that I've watched have been out of Europe. Well, my question is, with the NFL and NBA being two primarily Americanized sports and the UFC being the only international of the three that are coming to do this, how are they going to expect to to knock off all these illegal streams out of Europe when the NFL and the NBA are... are, are as big? That's my, that's my biggest question on this whole... My thought is that basically because, you know, this is a DMCA law and it has to do with American law, I assume the prosecution would come come under American law. Now, it does present, I guess, a good question if, say, something like this weekend, if the UFC is in Australia. Right, which, by the way, in Australia, their primary usage of pay-per-view is cable. It's not UFC. You fight past, they do it the old school way where, where they have to buy it through their cable provider and it's not streaming based at all. They don't, they, you know, they don't use ESPN plus at all to watch their pay-per-view 
who's over there, which makes it even more ironic that it's coming a week before another international UFC pay-per-view. So, Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest international legal expert, so I can't really answer for I'm, that. But I guess I'm, my guess I'm, is... But I am, but but I can't admit that I that, that I am a geek when it comes to figuring out how how people in other countries watch the UFC because it's very because it's very very just absolutely fascinating to me. My guess is because the UFC is based in Las Vegas, the NFL and NBA based in New York. That's why I'm assuming everything is still going to be American law, just because of where each of these thing each of these organizations are headquartered but putting it into practice is going to be kind of another story now i understand it from the fighter's perspective because if you take the paper if you you know don't purchase the pay-per-view that's potential money that they're going to be losing uh but obviously zan you know we can't we can't not think about the consumer at this point because the ufc has undergone pay-per-view price increases three times within the last year and a half or so. It was just a couple of years ago where UFC pay-per-views were still only about $65. And you think about rises in prices of things. I'm not an economist, Sam, but when you think about the rise of prices and things like these pay-per-views with the current state of inflation in the American economy, you, doing something like this like, I get what you're trying to do, trying to protect, you know, your copyright in a fighter fighter's case, trying to protect fighter pay. At the same time, you know, just the kind of price, the fact, Sam, that this Saturday's UFC pay-per-view, and we're going to talk about it, is not very, Is it's kind of weak. I'll be blunt. It's kind of weak. And it's still going to be an $80 purchase, the same as UFC... Uh, 292 was with the O'Malley and UFC 291 and 290 were with those insane, you know, stack cards. It's kind of a burden on those who pay for the pay-per-views, you know, the, you know, like they're not getting their bank for the buck, I guess is the best way I can say it. No. And uh, when you eliminate, you know, the ability to DVR the pay-per-views the way you used to be able to do it, so where you can't go back and watch them unless you purchase them and watch it in a 24-hour window, it almost defeats the purpose. So I totally understand what we're coming from there, and it almost makes me wish it was still a traditional pay-per-view model because then you could keep the pay-per-views forever as long as you need them and then get rid of them afterwards. So it's definitely very interesting, at least since I've been watching the UFC, it's gone up from $44.95 to now $84.99 which is a $40 increase just about in about 15 or 16 years. So it's easy to think how how much more expensive it is to be not just a UFC fan, but an MMA fan. MMA on point did a great video on how much does it cost to be an MMA fan. It's almost about over $3,000 a year if you, were to, if you were to buy every single event for UFC boxing or etc. It's a it's a it's an arm and a leg. It's almost like buying an entire season ticket package without even going to a single game. And I'm trying to be, you know, protect my private information combined, but trying to showcase the example. Uh, Three thousand dollars, like it, because I I know the MMA on point video that you're talking about, 
and three thousand dollars that's like trying to do the math zen that's like five percent of what i make in a year five percent and that's i think before taxes that's absolutely insane so you know they talk about trying to be as inexpensive as they can but it's obvious every year they're making it even more expensive to be an mma fan and uh I could understand, you know, people of the burnout just because it's so expensive to buy every single one. Um, it's 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 definitely a very and that's not also Zen, and that's not include and that's just for combat sports for UFC, uh, boxing, any special PFL pay per view. That's also not including the five ninety nine that it, you know if you're subscribed to Peacock, whether it be just for the NBC shows, the NBC Sports, the WWE Network. That's also so not including any, I just said, kind of maybe the zone. I don't know. Wait, you, yeah, the zone and the, their pay per views, uh, UFC fight pass. Like it just adds up. It just continues to add up. And I think the frustrating part, Sam, is you mentioned back in the day it being forty something dollars. But you can also say that's when the UFC was still on the rise and still far from the global spectacle that it is right now. But you think, Zan, just a couple of years ago was $60, $65, and it's already at $80 within a year and a half to two years. That's a quick time for such an increase, a $15 to $20 increase, at least in my mind. Yeah, I mean, not just $80, but, um, well, it's so funny we're talking about this, you know, a year later, because I remember a year ago, um, I, and I and I don't mean to, to to diverge, but it's very interesting that this is all coming back because a year ago we were analyzing a, we were analyzing a tweet about what is the UFC doing wrong, and one of the things I mentioned was you know not having the flexibility uh, to be able to watch all of these events unless you stream the events, and now you know all of this stuff is happening with the DMCA, and it's like. Okay, so it's like you're going to force people to stream no matter what. You know, what about someone that's, you know, been a UFC fan since 93 and they don't know the difference between um, between the streaming service and the and the Internet? Um, you know, oh, and it's mm-hmm. like it's. Yeah, it's, Lee, it's, we talk about this all the time. We talk about this all the time uh, on ETV Sports about baseball, like for the older audience. When you have all these different streaming platforms, you're you're alienating your you're alienating your older fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's it's definitely interesting. And to me, I guess that leads to a follow-up question. We were talking about Fight Pass in the last segment, but I, I just want to know, like, would you, could you ever see a scenario, Tom, where Fight Pass um, merges with ESPN Plus and they're just all under one roof? Because that's what I thought was going to happen when they first signed with ESPN Plus was that, Fight Pass was going to dissolve and not remain a standalone service. Um, do you do you think now it looks like it's more of a possibility that Fight Pass would be mer- moving into the emerging stage? Could you could you see that happening? So I would assume so because usually when I watch Fight Pass in, it's only because something like the UFC Hall of Fame is exclusive to Fight Pass, or in the event there's some minor league, you know, uh, regional. MMA or boxing to watch, or if there's a card Fight Pass has, like a classic card that Fight Pass has that ESPN Plus doesn't, maybe it's an old Pride card or something. That's really all I ever 
watch Fight Pass for. If there's an opportunity for that to all go over to ESPN Plus, I could very well see the merge pretty much happening at some point. Plus, there's also the potential possibility. I mean, you think about how WWE and UFC have now merged under under this TKO umbrella uh, on the stock market. Now, obviously, they operate as their own separate entities, but could you see maybe one day a streaming platform that is all UFC and all WWE? I mean, WWE's TV contracts are coming up, uh, I think, next year. Is there a chance that maybe the U- uh the ESPN gets involved in in those kinds of talks to kind of have that, you know, both WWE and UFC under an ESPN Plus umbrella. Yeah, I could very well see it, and I think it would be a lot easier for the consumer to just have one place to watch everything that's combat sports related. Um, yeah, I, I could definitely see that being a possibility, and I think it would be better for everybody involved, especially for those smaller promotions like you were alluding to, the LFAs, the APFCs, the CFFCs, to be under that ESPN Plus umbrella and to have more eyeballs on those promotions for newer fans of the sport, I think it would be a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Let's advance now to something I really want to talk about because we've been holding off on it for a little too long. Uh, We're going to call this an exclusive. Now, I want to be very clear about something. Zan, this was a phone call that you had And you were not calling as a journalist. You were, you know, this is not us as journalists talking about this. And you told me that you were calling because you called number number one, you called the ESPN Plus support line. You didn't call Bristol. And number two, you were just calling because of you were basically threatening to cancel ESPN Plus. That is exactly right. So for those of you who don't know, I've been an ESPN Plus subscriber since the beginning of the service. Since the very first UFC to take place on ESPN Plus, the um, the Henry Cejudo, TJ Dillashaw fight, and I was just getting fed up with the fact that ESPN just continues to raise the prices every single month. It seems like, and and almost on a yearly occurrence for the UFC. And I just said, hey, look, I've been a subscriber for this many years. Is there any way you can give me either a discount on the current plan that I have, or is or can you tell me anything about you know potential bundles coming out? And unfortunately, I got an answer to both of. I got no answer, um, meaning, meaning an answer of no to both of those. But I got worded that starting October twelfth, uh, ESPN Plus is going to raise the prices again for the bundle of Disney Plus, uh, Hulu, and ESPN Plus to twenty three ninety nine a month. Currently, if you pay for the bundle. Um, you pay $19.99 a month in the United States um, because that is where the service is exclusive to. And that just really rubbed me the wrong way because I remember when I first purchased this back in January of 2019, the service was $4.99 a month. And to see either this bundle has gone up by almost $30 um, is, is or almost $20 rather uh, is, is downright saddening to me just considering how loyal I've been to them for several years and really subscribing to it for the sole purpose of watching the UFC and boxing pay-per-views in the last several years and uh, I I was just totally bummed out and uh, really disappointed as an avid consumer considering I use the service a ton you obviously have your own personal subscription to it and it just 
bummed me out to no end. And it, it, I'm like just genuinely frustrated because it's like, if you want to draw in new fans to the service, people that don't know much about the service, uh, people that are just starting to get into streaming to me, this is not the way to do it. And this isn't to rip on the, the gentleman I was speaking to. I know he was just doing his job, but to hear that, you know, oh, the, the prices are going to increase and it's going to affect all the subscribers, regardless of how you use it, just really bummed me out to no end. And then there's the other half to it, in which during your questioning, you found out that basically, we just talked about how the UFC prices have been raised three times in the last year and a half to two years, and it's going to go up again. So all of all of us in the MMA sphere who have been wondering you know, is there are is it going to increase again? Is it going to be you know by year end's time up to eighty five dollars in eighty four ninety nine pay per view? It seems like that answer is going to be yes. Yeah, unfortunately. So I did the digging, so you guys didn't have to. Although that is not what I was intending to do. Again, I want to make it very clear: I was calling as a subscriber. I was not calling to do sort of an investigative piece because. Um, I'll, I'll be quite frank. I'll be the first person to say it. I like ESPN Plus. I have ESPN Plus primarily for the UFC, but I like all the other content that they have on it from, you know, all their exclusives to, you know, NFL primetime during the season. Like, I like everything that the service is about. But to hear that, you know, it's going up again and it's going to be even harder um, in the, for the purposes of our show to be a combat sports fan, um, especially – because for, for most of us, uh, you know, in very difficult uh, economic times right now, it's it's hard to shelf out that much money a month. Um, it, to me, it's just it's totally disappointing, especially for the people that spend their hard-earned money every month to, to watch these events as an escape. So to hear that it's going to go up even more and to hear that there's no official price point on Nagano versus Fury, although there has been a number floating around, to me, it's just it's very uncoordinated, and I think ESPN needs to do a better job of just simply being transparent with the consumer. How much am I? How much am I paying? How much are the pay per views? How much is the discount? How much is the bundle? Like I, to be quite frank, I should have not had to call them to get an answer. That should have been public on their website. I looked everywhere that that, that was not public at all, and uh, I'm glad I did my due diligence. It's because if I didn't, I would have woken up on October 12th to see a bill increase. And I would have been like, wait, really? Okay. So, yeah. Um, I mean, and I guess that's all I can really say. It's it's it's, it's a bummer, but this is what they want to do. And, I mean, my theory is if they want to increase it by $5, there's got to be more content coming that we don't know about that's going to make it worth the incentive of, of extra dollars. Because if there isn't, then what, what, what's the what's the point, in my in my opinion? All right. Guess it's time for me to finally shoot. <laughs> okay, go for it. Zan, we Zan, we have just passed Oh, I say just. It's it's September now, so we have passed my seven year anniversary in the MMA media sphere. And okay. I have loved being a doing whatever it was that I have done in the media industry. And you know, ever since the time I was in middle school, I wanted to be in the media sphere. But obviously, the time between 2007-ish and 2023, a lot has changed in this game. 
And just seeing what has happened in the media sphere, you know, it's ranging from what we do with publishing articles to just the whole idea of what ESPN has been doing with their increasing of prices and such is to me, it's not a bummer to me, Zan, it's infuriating, like really infuriating because I want to admit something in the seven years that I've been in the MMA media sphere, I don't make a lot of money. And it kind of sucks because I came into this industry. My purpose wasn't to make a lot of money, but it was to at least make a living on something that I love. You know that expression about never working a day in your life, you know, if you get a job you love. Mm-hmm. And I have loved doing, you know, you know, like my expectation when I first got into the media sphere was to try and do something either news-related or something of a mainstream sport like a baseball. I didn't think I would be covering the UFC and other MMA promotions. I didn't think I would be working with the PFL. Neither did I when I first started getting into it as well. I just happened to, at least for me, I just happened to see an opening and I took it and I ran with it. But but I did not think that four four years later I would still be in the position that I am. Not in a a good way or or in a bad way, but similar, similar to you, I had I had differing feelings too going into it than how I feel about it now. And yeah, continue continue with what you were saying though. Right now, with how prices are, the fact that you know going off of that MMA on point video, where you know it's about three thousand dollars to be you know watch everything combat sports related, and I mentioned that's like five percent of what I make in a year before taxes, and now. If it is true that these UFC pay-per-views are going to eventually increase itself to $85, then, quite frankly, I'm questioning, you know, my future in this industry. Because it is just, it's unbearable. How much I have to spend to, you know, get the ESPN Plus service, get every pay-per-view, especially... When you got a pay-per-view card coming up like this weekend, which is very weak compared to some of the other pay-per-views, some of the bangers that have been put out all of this year. And then on top of that, I can't believe that ESPN is going to be doing this, and when right now it's even in you know the doghouse with college football fans for what happened this past weekend, where right before kickoff, them inspect. Spectrum's deal conveniently expired and you shut all the Spectrum uh, people across the United States out of college football week one. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a Spectrum subscriber, so I'm not in that boat. But, you know, and obviously this is an MMA podcast. So, but, you know, this coming week when Johnny Montalbano and Nick Morgison are on the air, you're going to be hearing a lot of crap about ESPN and Disney uh, from them for what the hell is going on here. Right. And speaking of the Spectrum subscribers, Tom, think about this. Alabama plays Texas week two. So you mean to tell me that millions of people aren't going to be able to see the biggest early regular season game on the schedule, millions of people because of Spectrum? I mean, ESPN's wrongdoing. Yeah, plenty of people, plenty of people are going to be extremely um, uh, um, um, 
infuriated uh, by that. We're not 100%. Rightfully so. So, I mean, I just think about Zan that how this industry has not loved me back. And so, you know, just how much my schedule has been, you know, it's going to be hitting me across the head as we're about to enter a new school year and a new school semester for me. And it's just, you know, I pay thousands of dollars for tuition being back in grad school while also working. It's just unaffordable for me. So if this is really going to be the direction that they're going in, I got to figure out what this means for my future in this industry, Be to be quite frank. I, I'm definitely going to have to be more selective with pay-per-views. I need to get my bang for my buck. I mean, something like, you know, UFC 294, Sam, the Abu Dhabi card. I, it might be more worth it to, to me to go to a theater or go to a Buffalo Wild Wings or something where I can get food and get drinks and watch it you know, in a public setting, all just for, you know, coming in, you know, make, maybe making a reservation, putting a, you know, making a payment of some sort of charge and watching it that way. And it's, and it's infuriating. Like UFC 295, which is in my hometown of New York, the nosebleed section, $800. You are pricing people out. Of this, uh, of the, you're pricing people out of this, whether it be this industry, people who work in this industry that don't have everything paid for them and are not working full time, or those fight fans that are just so dedicated to the combat sports. You are pricing people out and hurting them. And then that's the thing. I would love to yell at the UFC and yell at Dana, but you consider what ESPN has done with college football. Not all of this is on the UFC. This, a lot of this is on ESPN and Disney. And, and the, the fact that ESPN and Disney, Sam, you hear those rumors about maybe them getting off of cable, which 20% of home, 20% less homes, Zan, have ESPN than it did just a few years ago. And then they're talking about potentially moving off of the cable, you know, cable completely and just having their own streaming platforms. ESPN, Zan, I won't say it's killing itself because it's ESPN. It's that kind of brand. But it's not doing itself any favors. It's hurting itself. And it's a shame where this is coming to. Yeah. Um, first off, I, back to your point about um, pricing people out of UFC 295. If you want to talk about pricing people out, as you know, I'm from the third. Well, obviously, we're, we're both lucky enough to be to be living in top three media markets. The UFC has not had an event in my home city in four years. And you you guys thankfully get events every year. But as you alluded to just a second ago, when you're charging $800 for nosebleeds for the biggest heavyweight title fight in maybe 15 years, and you're asking people, people who are hardworking people, people who don't have, you know, everything handed to them let's just put it to you that way you mean to tell me that you're gonna you're gonna make people and we don't that. know the rest of the card by the way i should add no we don't like frankly my my point in saying this is it's like you, you guys pride yourselves on sellouts every month it's like do you guys want people to show up to this event or do you guys want half of madison square garden to be empty because 
is no one can afford those uh, those upper level uh, seats that aren't even that aren't even front row that are literally near the top of the arena. So I don't I don't know. I just know that it, it, it seems to me like they just want to suck as much money out of all of us as they as they can. That's what that's what it, that's what it seems like to me. And I know there's going to be nothing that I can do about it because I'm one person. And, you know, people in suits, you know, want to purchase, whether it be tickets or the pay-per-views, or people who have a lot more money than me, fine. But it's just a damn shame because I've worked my ass off to try and do something. And it's to try and do something, to be a part of an industry that I love. And I think I do at least a decent job. I don't even know if I want to say a good job, but at least a decent job. And, and it's utterly frustrating that it seems like, you know, for all the hard work I've put into this industry for the last seven years and it to not love me back, at some point am I going to have to say enough is enough. And I'm sorry to the fighters because, you know, obviously with these price increases, I don't know what kind of message is sent unless people stop paying tickets, stop paying pay-per-views. And I know some fighters depend on that stuff, but it, it just, it's unbearable. You can't put this kind of burden on the public, on the middle class and poor people. It, it's just not possible. No, it isn't. So, um, I mean, not to, not to put you on the spot, but like, what, like, what would be your, what would be your absolute breaking point? Like if, if the prices continue to increase to where you're going to have to start making some of those. Um, we're there. You, you, we're, we're already, we're already there. Okay. We're there. Okay. $85 is not going to do it for me. Well, we're, 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 we're at the breaking point right now, Zan. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so I don't know. We, we move on now to the UFC 293 preview, and who knows if this is going to be my last hurrah or not. And it sucks if it is, because it is such a crappy card. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, okay, UFC 293, Israel Adesanya versus Sean Strickland, the fight that nobody asked for. It's, <laughs> I mean, let's be, let's be honest here, it should be Israel Adesanya versus Trigis Duplessis, but... <laughs> Uh, this is what we're stuck with. <laughs> um, Tom, this fight screams unanimous decision to me. This fight screams the over four and a half rounds. I think Israel Adesanya uses his wrestling, neutralizes strictly, neutralizes his gas tank, takes him down several times, holds him in top position, maybe gets a late finish. Um, but I, I'm going to say Israel Adesanya wins a clear unanimous decision, 49-46. I just think Sean Strickland, with with how short notice of a fight this was five or six weeks ago, this was announced. He can talk all the stuff he wants that he's going into enemy territory and he's technically going into China, which I I didn't really understand what his whole reference means means by that. Um, but I don't see this fight being entertaining at all. I see the press conference being more entertaining than the fight itself. Yeah, the fight, the press conference is going to be more entertaining than the fight itself. And Zan, I don't have really any other words. I mean, how many times have I said, Zan, the last few, last couple of months, stupid, 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 that they thought the Robert Whitaker Drickus Duplessis winner was going to be ready for uh, such a quick turnaround in September against Adesanya? They were so stupid to think that. And now, as a result, Sean. Strickland is earning a title shot, Sand, off of a win over Abus 
Magomedov. That is the fight that earns him a title shot. And that, that there's just Israel Adesanya has cleaned out the rest of the division. All he's got to do is beat Strickland, and then then there's no choice but to make the DDP fight. But again, stupid is as stupid does with the UFC and with ESPN. So here we are, Australia, UFC 293. And I agree, Zan. I think this is WrestleFest. I think this is GrappleFest. Israel Adesanya, I think, holds Sean Strickland down, pretty much out-wrestles him, out-grapples him against the cage. And, I mean, maybe Sean Strickland decides to try and be stupid and try to outstrike Israel Adesanya like he did Alex Pereira last year. Uh, but either way, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Adesanya, unanimous decision, retains the middleweight title. You better, those of you who are somehow interested in this fight, you better get your fill with the press conference because I think you're going to be sadly disappointed. Yeah, and for, and for those of you who are interested in staying into uh, this fight, make sure you have four helpings of popcorn ready because you're going you're gonna to eat them. <laughs> and speaking of, and speaking of four helpings of popcorn, we're going to go over to the big boys for the co-main event, heavyweight division, <laughs> tied to Ivasa, Mr. Shuey. <laughs> Taking on Alexander Volkov. Uh, is 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 the shoey gonna be done in Australia after a Tuivasa win, San? Or do you think Volkov's gonna 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 run through him? Um I think Volkov takes Tuivasa down, but I'm gonna say that hopefully Tuivasa's worked on his takedown defense and 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 um and skills from bottom control because is if he hasn't, that's all two of, that's all Volkov will have to do to win the fight. But knowing it's in Australia, two of us is going to do something crazy. He'll probably end up flatlining Volkov. It'll probably end up being one of those knockouts where they're going to try to throw it the exact same time and two of us will get there first and knock him out. So I'm going to say late first round, early second round, TKO slash KO for two of us in front of his home fans. Is this, in your opinion, a must-win for Tuivasa? He's this would be a third straight loss. He lost last September. Uh, yeah, actually, a year ago against Cyril Gunn in Paris, and then the last time we saw him was on the uh, Thompson Holland card last year, where he got knocked out by Sergey Pavlovich. Is this a must-win for him? One thousand percent. Yeah. What is his current ranking in the heavyweight division? He is number six. Okay. He is number six. Volkov is number eight. Yeah, this, um, is a must, a must this is where I'm going to act. Yeah, must win for both. More pressure on Tuivasa, though, in my opinion. Yeah, I would put the pressure on Tuivasa. I want Tuivasa to win. I want to see a shoe in Australia. I just I don't know if his takedown defense is going to be enough. I'm going to go with Volkov by, by second or third round finish. Oh, wow. So you think you, you think he silences the, the Australian crowd? Okay. Okay. I think so. I think so. All right. Next fight. Manel Cop versus Felipe Dos Santos. First of all, Zan, in terms of just Cop, is this fight actually going to happen? Because I don't think I've ever seen somebody ha- get as many fights canceled with the UFC as Manel Cop. Well, we still have a couple days to go. We're on, uh, we're, we're on Tuesday morning, and you know what hasn't hit the fan yet. So uh, we still have 36 hours to figure it out. Um, if you were to put a gun to my head, I would say, uh, yeah, this fight still happens, but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be cutting it very very close. Let's just let's just let's just put it that way. 
I actually think Felipe Dos Santos submits Manel Cop in the second round if the fight if the it does happen. What do you what do you think? I understand what you mean. He's uh, Felipe Dos Santos coming into his UFC debut here. He last fought in November, a unanimous decision win over Hugo Paiva. Uh, yeah, I think Zan. I, I think you're right. I think that I don't know if I can necessarily say that he's going to get a finish on Cop, but I think he's going to do enough to maybe grind out a unanimous decision. All right, next up, Zan, Justin Taffa, Austin Lane. This was a fight that took place back in June. Accidental eye poke, which actually left a really bad mark. I believe it was on Justin Taffa, and the fight ended up a no contest, only about 30 or 40 seconds in. It was an exciting 30, 40 seconds, if I remember correctly, with the two, because it was basically a fight, Zan, where the fight could have ended at any point with how those two were throwing and I expect the same thing. Uh, I expect the same thing here. I don't think we ever predicted this on the air. I think we only predict this when we make our UFC fight predictions with the circles and all on the sheets that we upload to social media every Saturday. Um, I don't exactly remember who I picked, though. I could have sworn I picked Tafa. And you know what? The fight's in Australia, and I've gone against the Australians, except for, I mean, you know, in terms of exciting performances, because I said Tuivasa would lose, I said Adesanya's win was going to be boring. So you know what? I'll give him. A, I'll give him something. I'll go Tafa first round knockout. This is one that could fall either way, though. Yeah, um, this one can fall uh, either way. To I'm going to see Tafa by second round TKO. I think he's going to give the Aussie something to cheer about. Uh, Wayne's going to give him a good first round. He'll probably drop him at some point. Uh, Top is going to survive, though. Um, no question about it. I don't see how this fight goes the distance. These are two big boys that have rock-solid chins, and there's no way there will be an exciting finish in this fight. Yeah, no, there's going to be a finish in this fight. Absolutely. Opening match, by the way, for the main card, Tyson Pedro taking on Anton Turkulos. Yeah, I think Tyson Pedro wrestles Anton and wins an easy decision. What do you What do you think? I'm going to second that. I'm going to second easy decision win there for Tyson Pedro. And that I is think, the. I think this is too big of a step up in competition for Anton, but a very good learning experience. What do you, what do you think? Agreed. I think Pedro, I think Pedro's just experienced, a lot more experience, head and shoulders above, at least when it comes to the bright lights of the UFC. I think Pedro gets the win. And I think the UFC wants the Pedro win to kind of, you know, get the crowd off on the right foot. So, just notable prelim bouts. I don't really know if there really <laughs> is too much. I mean, you got Jamie Malarkey taking on John McDessie on the TV portion of the prelims. Nasrat Hakpars is in action on the TV prelims. I think, yeah, the ma- the featured prelim is going to be Carl Solberg taking on Jung Daun. But I think I'm more interested, most interested in the malarkey McDessie fight. So, really... I mean, Sam, the main card is kind of weak, so the prelims aren't going to be much better. Yeah, that's true, but I guess that's what you get when you put on too many cards and you have to scramble to put a card together on a couple weeks' notice when you don't even know who your main event was until about a month ago. So that's what the UFC gets, I guess. So, Yeah, which causes more frustration with that uh, ESPN price increase story because it's like I said, Zan. More bang for your buck. 
if the UFC if the UFC pay per view prices are going to go up to eighty five dollars, like we expect by next month, end of year, whenever that cards like this are inexcusable, it, it, and it goes to like you said to the point of and something that else that we talked about, not according to not with this kind of issue, but just when you think about the quality of cards, just too many cards, way too many cards. I mean, Sam, we just passed the eleventh anniversary of UFC one fifty one getting canceled. And remember when uh, remember when UFC 151 got canceled with John Jones refusing to fight Chael Sonnen, Vitor, I think it was uh, not Vitor Belfort. Uh, who was it that had the injury? I was just looking at it. Somebody had an injury. They were forced Dan out Henderson. of the... Dan Henderson, MCL. Dan Henderson, thank you. Mm-hmm. The Dan Henderson, MCL. And, and people pointed to UFC and said, too many cards. Not just too many cards, but if you look at the original UFC 151 card below that original main event was nothing great. And and the UFC was heavily criticized for that. And the card was in Vegas. All right. Let's go over now, Sam. Let's just quickly recap all the action that we've missed over the past couple of weekends. Alexander Yusick fought Daniel Dubois, heavyweight championship fight. Alexander Yusick got the stoppage win, got the knockout. A little bit of controversy, Dubois claiming that a low blow on Usyk that was ruled during the fight should have been counted as a body shot, should have been a TKO or KO. Dubois should be the heavyweight champion. That On the footage stand that I watched, that's where I have to disagree, and I agree with Eddie Hearn. It, it seemed to me it hit the belt line, Zan. And, and, and I go on the – I forget who it was that said it. It might have been Correa Bisping, but – you know, if the cup moves when it comes to a groin, if the cup moves, it's a groin shot. And to me, I saw the trunks. I saw where basically at least part of the fist and could have been a little below the belt. So I'm I'm fine with the referee ruling a low blow there. It was absolutely a low blow. Usyk got the win. Dubois can cry all he wants, but there was no robbery to me. Yeah, it's better to err on the side of caution, especially when, you know, it's a punch that you're not really sure on. So I'm blanking on the referee's name right now, but um, I think he made the right decision. And although there was some controversy, I think it should motivate Dubois to do better to get back into a position like that again. And uh, yeah, Usyk is the rightful heavyweight champion and it should make a Tyson Fury fight um, early 2024. We would hope that much bigger. So um, yeah, yeah. Again, and Zan, as we always, you you want to say that you want to say that again? Yeah, I did say a rightful Tyson Fury fight in 2024, but again, boxing getting its own way will probably happen. Probably, uh, PFL. We have our championship card set now. Our last two finals are set in place. Clay Collard, Olivier Aubin Mercier in the lightweight final. OAM looking to become a two-time lightweight champion in PFL. Clay Collard finally reaching the final, looking for his first title. Sabadusi looking to become a two-time welterweight champion as he takes on, well, somebody else who looks to be a two-time welterweight champion in Magomed Magomed Karamov, the inaugural season winner, the 2018 welterweight champion, and 2021 finalist. Yeah, I like OAM versus Collard in Washington, D.C. Or, or excuse me, OAM versus C in Washington, D.C. How about, how about you? In Washington, D.C., Black Friday, I'm going to go with OAM, and I'm going to go with Magomed Karamov. So I say OAM becomes two-year champion in a row. 
But I think Magomed Karimov, you know, who originally won the title in 2018, I think he gets back to the mountaintop again, finally, and defeats C for the championship. So do you think his wrestling is just going to be too much? And do you think he might submit him? Is that what, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I think it, I think it's going to be a Magomed Karimov wrestling domination. Okay. Moving on to UFC Paris. We got Cyril Gunn in the main event stopping Sergey Spivak. It seemed like Zan, Tom Aspinall, uh, it seemed like Tom Aspinall wanted to challenge Cyril Gunn and they teased that fight. Do you think that's a good fight next? Because I do so, I do think so myself. Yeah, that needs to happen in MSG or in Vegas at the end of the year. So book it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think and so. And then Manuel Fierro, and then Manuel Fierro in the, toughest competition I think she has ever had to face. She and Rose went at it, but, you know, uh, Jamal Hill could cry all he wants, but no, but no, Fiero won that fight in my mind. I don't know what Jamal Hill was smoking, but Manon Fiero easily won that fight, and I think she passed a pretty big test. I think as long as, you know, I think she's ready for whoever wins that Alexa Grasso-Valentina Shevchenko fight. Uh, yeah, uh, Firo put herself in a very good position, obviously beat a former two-time champion in Rose Nama Yunus, which is not easy to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely makes 125 a lot more interesting. And uh, and uh, the Grasso the, the, uh, Shevchenko fight, which I should um, which which I should be a primarily and which should be a fantastic fight, I think sets up a great title eliminator for Firo, and I hope the UFC flies her out and puts her front row because I think she's the next rightful challenger at 125 and she looked phenomenal uh, in, in doing so. Yeah. And one last thing, Zan, we need to give a little special shout out to the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. He and Max Holloway went at it in the main event of UFC Singapore, not last weekend, but the weekend before, the last weekend of August. And Korean zombie went out on his shield basically swinging in that third round after nearly getting stopped in the second. And Max Holloway landed such a clean shot. His first straight knockout victory, Holloway, since middle of 2014. I think it was October of 2014. That last time Holloway won by a straight knockout. And, you know, it's sad that it ends on a loss, but I'm glad to have seen Holloway versus Korean Zombie happen. I hope Korean Zombie definitely, you know, he deserves his flowers. He deserves a Hall of Fame spot. And as far as Holloway goes, I think he's in quite the puzzling picture. If, you know, the boss doesn't want to give him a title shot, he shouldn't cut any more weight because his weight cut to 145 is already rough enough. And that Poirier fight that he had a few years ago showed me 155 is too much for him. So it might be wait and see for Holloway. But I just want to use this time to say thank you to the Korean Zombie for all the for all the great memories he gave MMA fans with his action-packed fights. Oh, 1,000%. I don't think he ever walked away from a Korean zombie fight saying it was boring. So good to see him get so much love and respect in Singapore, even though he lost. And uh, to go out against another stud like Holloway in the fight that they had, which was another instant classic, was very cool. And I would definitely miss watching the Korean zombie fight. And as you said, we, we say it all the time. Max Holloway, he's in that, you know, the AAA status. You know, Volk is 18-0 against the rest of the division and has beaten Holloway three times. The second one was super controversial. What do you do with Holloway? Again, like I like you just alluded to a second ago, I do think it's a wait-and-see approach. And uh, 
but, but, but definitely always in one of those positions where um, he has nothing to worry about, just considering that he's cleaned out the entire division um, except, for, except for the champ. And it just goes to show how dominant Volk is. So 2024 should be very interesting. And I think you're going to see another another rematch uh, down the line, even though Volk is, up, Volk is up 3-0 according to record books. And that's pretty much going to do it for this edition of the MMA Outsiders. So before we go, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network. Make sure to follow us across social media, MMA Outsiders ETB and at ETB Network. Again, to my right is my co-host, Sam Bando. You can find his work over at BJPenn.com. He is a Bellator Rankings Committee member. Find his work on social media at SamBando99. I'm Tom Bando. You can find my work over with Fanside at MMA and the Professional Fighters League as we approach the championships coming up. So you can find my work there at pflma.com. Follow me on social media at Thomas J. Albano. And for those of you who are listening on the audio-only platforms, make sure to uh, go check out our video feed at our home on YouTube. Hit the subscribe and notification buttons there. If you are watching us on YouTube, make sure to go to ACAST and all the audio-only platforms that we're on and take MMA Outsiders on the road with you. So for Zan, I'm Tom. We'll see you next week to recap UFC 293, preview Noche UFC, and all so much more. Until then, take care, everybody. Be Joe Piper. Take care, everyone. Be Joe Piper and enjoy UFC 293 this weekend. And, of course, we are saying that lightly, considering that we have decided to crap on this card. But hopefully by next week, we will be eating our words. Enjoy the fights and uh, enjoy the first full weekend in September, especially with the NFL starting up. We'll see you guys next week.